Welcome to The Podlight, the audio collaboration between Silicon Valley Synergy and San Jose Spotlight. I'm your host, Bob Stedler. We have a great show today. We'll be talking about Santa Clara County opting into Lohr's Law and the city of San Jose approving the downtown West plan, setting the stage for Google to expand in San Jose. With me today is San Jose Spotlight Editor, Nick Preciado. Welcome, Nick. Great to talk with you today. Hey, Bob. Great to be back. So the County of Santa Clara approved opting into the Lohr's Law and being creating an assisted outpatient AOT program that legally requires individuals struggling with severe mental illness to comply with treatments. So Nick, what are the details of this law? Yeah, so Laura's law deals with what is known as assisted outpatient treatment. And by opting into the law, the county will be able to require individuals struggling with severe mental illness to comply with treatment. Uh, the law allows a court to compel services to people struggling with mental health who refuse treatment. Uh, and it only applies to a specific group of people. Um, these are individuals who have either formerly been hospitalized or incarcerated as a result of their mental illness. Um, those compelled to get help under Laura's law also must meet specific requirements. Um, those requirements include recent hospitalizations within about the last 36 months, demonstrating violent behavior towards themselves or others, repeatedly refusing treatment, or being in what's known as a substantially deteriorating state. Uh, concerned family members and caregivers can also request that people be referred to assistant outpatient treatment. And under Laura's law, the county is actually prohibited from reducing existing voluntary mental health programs. That was kind of an issue raised, not a major one. Um, that also means that implementation of assisted outpatient treatment will expand rather than shift current mental health services for the county. So how long has the county had the opportunity to do this? Quite some time. Uh, Santa Clara County has had about 20 years to implement Laura's Law since California first gave uh, counties the option to do so. Uh, the law is actually named after a woman named Laura Wilcox. Laura was a 19-year-old woman killed in 2001 while working as a receptionist at the Nevada County Department of Behavioral Health. The man who killed Wilcox was a former patient of the county's outpatient mental health clinic and actually had a habit of resisting treatment. So how many counties have opted into this to date? To date, 22 counties, now including Santa Clara County, have opted into this program. Uh, some of the other counties in the area that make use of this law include San Francisco, both the county and the city, uh, Contra Costa County, Alameda County, even counties in Southern California, such as Los Angeles and Orange County. So is there any deadlines with opting in or out of this option? Uh, yeah, there's legislation. It's I believe it's Assembly Bill 1976. Uh AB 1976 requires that counties formally opt in or out of the program, and there's a deadline of June 30th to do so. So Santa Clara County was kind of coming up against the wire in terms of getting their program uh, at least established. Yeah, that does seem like a tight timeline. So I think something, you know, the listeners are going to want to know is how much does, does this cost? Uh, the County Behavioral Health Department actually estimates that the cost to implement the program will be a little over $10 million a year. That's after Medi-Cal reimbursements, too. In addition to that, the department also estimates that there's a need for about 18 full-time employees in order to carry out uh, assistant outpatient treatment. Uh, the full cost also isn't expected to be expended in the next fiscal year. This is something that uh, is going to be paid for over time as the program ramps up. Uh, there's also, you know... Additional funding might also be required. Uh, that's really going to depend on how many clients uh, the county serves with assistant outpatient treatment. Health officials actually looked at that, too. They looked at surrounding counties with similar programs like San Francisco and San Mateo. Um, local health officials estimate that Santa Clara County's program could serve between 20 to 50 people each year. 
Wow, that is, you know, a significant cost, but I think the cost of doing nothing we're kind of bearing as a county. So so were there any concerns about this option? Yeah, um, several people have brought up concerns about this option, or the county at least opting into Laura's law. Some people have expressed concerns about whether or not this law deprives residents of their civil li- liberties by mandating treatment. But as I mentioned earlier, there are very specific criteria that these individuals must meet before they can be ordered to comply with treatment. Um, There are also some concerns about the law being politicized. Uh, At this week's Board of Supervisors meeting, Affordable Housing Network President Sandy Perry actually spoke to that. Um, She said that implementing assisted outpatient treatment won't solve the problem of homelessness. It seems like some individuals are thinking that that might be a solution. Uh, She even said that the loudest advocates of uh, people trying to implement Laura's law are the same people trying to make unhoused residents disappear from the streets. Uh, Another local group that actually came out uh, in opposition to this local implementation of Laura's Law is the Law Foundation of Silicon Valley. Uh, They say that assistant outpatient treatment is actually a step in the wrong direction. Um, They wrote a letter to the Board of Supervisors, and in that letter, they point out that communities of color are more likely to have negative experiences or impressions with the justice system. And so they might find um, a judge's involvement in their mental health treatment off-putting or even traumatizing. Yeah, I, I understand the concerns, but I, I think it's more about tools and toolbox is what I think I think the public really wants. And I think the county has shown the care and the compassion to do it correctly. And I I don't understand why having another tool and toolbox in extreme situations is a bad thing. Right. I'm sure there are some concerns about cost, but I, I think your point on this toolbox is correct. This isn't going to eliminate existing voluntary mental health programs. People can still seek treatment in other ways. This is really for a specific subset of the population. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to help solve those extreme cases that the probably what the community is complaining about the most. You know, sometimes it's the 20 to 50 that people feel like magnifies the problem. So what are the next steps? Uh, Well, now the county is actually going to need to build out and implement its assisted outpatient treatment program. Uh, Development of the program is supposed to start this fall, but it's not exactly clear when the county will begin offering treatment. It could take some time. Uh, The county is looking to hire and dedicate about 18 full-time employees to run the program. So it could be anywhere, you know, once they start implementing in the fall, it could be a few months to half a year at at minimum. I think this will take some time before we see this really ramp up. Yeah, I think the ramp up time is gonna gonna be important, but I just think just having that extra tool in the toolbox, and I and I think the fact that the county took their time to be conscientious to civil liberties, to think about it, to not rush, I think just shows. I I just my gut feeling tells me they're not going to abuse the policy, and so that's why I think it's just it's just a good tool in the toolbox. Yeah, definitely. So the next story we're going to discuss is the Downtown West approval, otherwise known as the Google Project. So the city of San Jose reached a historic milestone with the approval of the Downtown West project that Google will be developing. It marks a major shift from most U.S. cities where they throw huge financial incentives to get large tech companies to operate there. San Jose stood firm and did not provide money in return for development. It's a huge win for the city, the surrounding neighborhood, and for Google. Full disclosure, I'm a consultant for the Dearden Area Neighborhood Group, Dang, and work closely with the surrounding neighborhoods on creating a win-win for all. Dang, for example, was able to advocate for funding for Gardner Community Center. So Nick, what exactly was approved for Google? 
So Google's Downtown West project uh, spans a total of 80 acres near Diridon Station. It's expected to feature about 7.3 million square feet of office space. In addition to housing, it's planning about 4,000 housing units. A quarter of those will be affordable. Um, on top of that, there's also about 15 acres of parks, as well as 30,000 to 50,000 square feet dedicated to a community center. Uh, on top of that, uh, there's also about 500,000 square feet that are supposed to be set aside for multiple uses, things like uh, retail, cultural, education, and arts. Yeah, it's a pretty impressive development mix for a project. This isn't your standard Silicon Valley Gino campus. This isn't the spaceship. So as far as the development mix in the project, so it's pretty diverse. So what are the different type of asset classes we're talking about here? So I think we're talking about some housing here. It uh, looks like a large portion of the space is going to be set aside for office and commercial uses. Google's actually estimating that about 25,000 workers are going to utilize this office space. And, you know, the project definitely seems to be looking towards the future. I think it's very forward thinking, this kind of development that's including not just one type of use, but multiple uses. There's residential, there's the commercial, which is going to be various types of commercial uses on top of the office space. It's been referred to, you know, as like a Google village or uh, a Google ville. I think that that's relevant here, considering the different types of uses that are going to be put forth. Yeah, I think, I think it's the best case scenario for the city. Instead of having the area piecemeal developed over time with holes and gaps. Um, it's just, it's great to have one vision for the area that's next to the train station. You know, the Google employees are going to be riding transit. It just seems to be a great mix for all. Yeah. And it'll certainly be appealing to the people who live there. Absolutely. No, the, the residents are very excited as well. It'll, it'll create diverse park options, uh, dining, cultural gathering spaces. Um, there's going to be some improvements to the trails, but you know, biking, it's, it's a, it's a good win. And, uh, you know, the devil's in the details, as we would say at dang, but we're really looking forward to it being implemented. So one of the big pieces of drama that happened when this got approved was the last second settlement with the sharks. The sharks were anticipated waiting on the sidelines to sue at any second. Um, Insiders said that would have taken an additional nine to 12 months to settle the lawsuit. Um, so Nick, can you explain the settlement? Definitely. So Shark Sports and Entertainment, that's the overall organization that uh, comprises the Sharks hockey team. Shark Sports and Entertainment has been one of the most vocal op opponents of the Downtown West project. Um, their home arena, the SAP Center, is only a few hundred feet away from where Downtown West will be constructed. Uh, the team has previously claimed that the project could actually force them out of the city, and they had problems. Um, they said that traffic might be a problem, street closures, as well as a shortage of parking caused by the development. But that all changed on Tuesday when they came to a settlement with Google and the city. Um, so this last-minute settlement, it's supposed to guarantee at least 2,850 parking spaces during the build-out of Downtown West. Parking was a big point of contention here for the Sharks, so I'm sure they're happy about that win. And in exchange for the settlement, the team has agreed that they will not legally challenge the city's plans. So there's no lawsuit on the horizon, at least coming from the Sharks. Yeah, and one of the major benefits of this settlement is it affects the timing of the community benefits. So what amount and type of community benefits were ratified? 
Yeah, so j just a little bit of background. Over the course of this project's approval and discussion and planning out, it's faced a lot of concerns over gentrification and bringing high rents into the Deer Don area, displacing residents that already live there. So in response to those concerns, Google launched this community benefits fund. It's about $200 million. Um, just under $155 million of that is supposed to be used for anti-displacement, homelessness, and affordable housing. So this community benefits fund, that's supposed to provide grants for programs serving low-income residents, addressing the causes of displacement, as well as helping to preserve affordable housing in the area. Uh, the full payout of this benefits fund is going to take some time. The money is expected to come in uh, at the same pace as downtown West construction. So that could be you know, about a decade, if not longer. Uh, the city is supposed to get some money from the fund soon, approximately $7.5 million. And Google is supposed to deliver that within 120 days of the agreement's approval. On top of that, there's a shorter deadline um, of about after 30 days of approval, Google's supposed to provide the city with $3 million. Uh, on top of that, as this fund gets going, distribution of this money is actually going to come from a 13-member community advisory committee. They're supposed to work with the city to find a fund manager who would then um, draft grants. They'd give those grants to local groups. Uh, final approval of grants is also up to the committee rather than the city lawmakers. So it'll be interesting to see once they actually start building out that committee. It should start in the near future. Um, I'm interested to see who's going to be on this committee and what kind of projects they're going to be looking at funding. Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting process on who gets on the committee. Um, the new term that gets bandied about a lot is lived experience. And so they want people with lived experience um, on the committee. And so it's going to be important to do that. But I think that um, putting the committee together, making sure it works, that fund manager is going to have a lot of work in front of them as far as, you know, vetting out various, you know, whether some proposals are legal or not legal or how much time that's going to be a whole nother set of uh, a, a little bit of drama. Definitely. And, you know, we might even see a little bit of drama among the community advisory committee itself. Of these 13 members, there's no requirement that um, members need to be residents of San Jose. They need to have some kind of meaningful connection to the city. It's pretty broad, pretty open to interpretation. So depending on who gets selected for this, we might see some infighting there. Yeah, that's that's going to, to happen for sure. So as we talked about, you know, community benefits get paid over time. So you know, there's been a lot of uh, build-out timelines given over the last three to four years. So what's the latest as far as the build-out timing? Yeah, so even though the project now has council approval, it's still going to be years before downtown West is fully constructed. Um, one city spokesperson told us earlier that um, just building the project's first office building alone is supposed to take two to three years. Google doesn't even expect to break ground on the project until late 2022 or even early 2023. Uh, the first phase of building on Santa Clara Street is expected to last three to five years. So I think we're looking at about a decade for a full build out at least, if not longer. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure that the agreement has extensions in there should it take longer than a decade. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, Alexa Arena, the outstanding, you know, development leader on this and Ricardo Benvenides and um just the whole team, you know, they talked about how I think on Santa Clara Street, you know, Bart's got to get their, you know, act together before they do anything up there. So I believe they're going to start at the old ballpark site, you know, south of Santa Clara, south of the Dearden train station, from what I recall last. But 
Um, it will be uh, interesting to see how the construction impact mitigation plan lays out timing and uh, the impacts to the area. And also need to remember that San Fernando Street Bridge is going to be taken out at some point. But I'm really excited about the utilidors and the utility systems and connecting and um, it's very advanced. And so, you know, this project, it's been a long time. It's come a long way. So who supported the project in the end? Yeah, so some neighborhood groups supported the project, including, as you mentioned earlier, uh, DANG, the Deer Don Area Neighborhood Group. Uh, they praised the project. They spoke out at the meeting. Um, business groups such as the Silicon Valley Leadership Group and the Silicon Valley Organization also supported the project. Um, the leadership group actually released a poll last week that claimed 70% of residents surveyed support the project overall. Um, and then there's Derek Siever. He's the newly hired CEO of the Silicon Valley Organization. He claimed um, great things for this project. He really said that San Jose can't miss this once-in-a-generation opportunity to pivot into being the next great American city. So setting the bar pretty high there for this project and what it'll actually do to San Jose. Yeah, it's yeah. we, we just we interviewed Derek a while back on, on the pod light. Um, yeah, it's financially, it's huge for the city of San Jose long-term and it's going to be strong financially. So, you know, as you know, talk about took years to get here. So what was the final vote? Uh, the final vote was unanimous. All 11 members of the San Jose city council approved the project across the board. Um, they did discuss the project after a lengthy public comment. We were up pretty late the other night listening to everybody uh, you know, say the praises about the project or have issues with the project and raising those. But when it came down to it, even though some council members had questions about the agreement, they all wanted to see the project move forward. And when it came time for a vote, that happened pretty quickly. Yeah, that's a that's a long way from the beginning of the project submittal. And Google should be commended for their community outreach and willing to listen to the neighborhood and the area stakeholders. Well, Nick, thanks again for joining me this week. Yeah, always a pleasure, Bob. This episode of the Podlight is brought to you by San Jose Spotlight, the city's only nonprofit community-supported newsroom. We need your support to continue providing independent political and business reporting to the nation's 10th largest city. Becoming a sustainable member today for as little as $5 a month, and you'll receive exclusive member benefits, including free admission to our educational events, panel discussions, and more. You can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Spotlight, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Join the movement today. Learn more at SanJoseSpotlight.com. That's SanJoseSpotlight.com. This has been the Podlight, a collaboration between Silicon Valley Synergy and San Jose Spotlight. I'm Bob Stedler. We'll see you next week.